Welcome to an all-new season of Colorful Lives presented by State Farm. I'm so happy to be back with my ladies. Oh, my God. Sweating team unite. I know. We're back. This is so exciting. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of things happen in our lives. Oh, my gosh. Last time we saw you, you were still pregnant. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> you a have whole, a whole human being that you made. A whole little awesome human. I'm about 60 pounds lighter. Do I look the same? Do I like look like Listen, Tanya? You look as talented and as beautiful <laughs> as ever. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. No, and you guys, like, Angela, you finished your property that you were... Flipping. Oh, yes. I finished flipping one property in Detroit. I still have two. One of them I'm keeping one of them I'm selling and I'm also in the process of acquiring another property in Brooklyn. What? Yes, like, a condo in Williamsburg. Real mogul. And I launched my drink fresh juice business. You did. You <laughs> did. A lot happened because you guys motivated me. Oh my God. And I forgot to share, I did start a nonprofit. Like, wow. Yeah. After I had the baby, it inspired me to start a, a, a nonprofit for mothers who want to experience pregnancy on their terms but might not have the financial means. So I'm really excited That's about amazing. That. That's so cool. I and love that. Last time your baby was on the way too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my child. I wrote a whole book. Yes. I wrote a book with my friend uh, Ann Friedman. It's so exciting. I can't wait to read that book. Amina. It's going to be out in 2020, but the the bulk of the work is done. So. And that was a process for you, which was Girl. a great process. But I'm so happy when you were done. She hit us up like, I finished my book. <sighs> I finished my because you guys motivated me so Money much. Done. You know, like I was doing that and doing the show with you last season. And I know. also I like learned a lot. So it's really exciting for me. But so that's what this is all about. And this season we're focusing on the things that we wish we knew before major life events. In this week's episode, we're going to dig into all the things that you should know before getting into debts. There are many different ways to accrue debt. We all know that. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong with having debt. And in fact, paying off debt can actually help you build your credit. Mm -hmm. So how can you request a credit limit? So a credit, well, a credit loan or a credit line increase, a lot of times what you can do is you can log on to your um, your mobile app or whatever it may be, however you do your banking, and you can apply in there. Um, it's a lot easier now for people to apply for credit or to apply for a credit line increase. You just want to make sure um, that you have information about your financials, accessible, et cetera, because of course, if they're going to give you money or give you debt, they want to make sure you can pay it back. Of course. It's not going to be anything out of the right. ordinary. You're just going to be like, what do you do? Right. And they usually ask you, like, what your income is. And, they, you know, there's a whole process for that. And you can also just call. I call all the time. I just call. I just call and I say, like, like, what are my again. options? <laughs> yeah. What are my options? And a lot of times you pay on time. It automatically, they automatically give it to you. I'm sure you guys, you know, you're going about your day, minding your business, and you get an alert. Like, your credit line increase has increased. And credit line has increased by XYZ mm -hmm. amount of dollars. And don't forget, you don't have to use all that credit. Yeah. By the way, you don't have to <laughs> yeah, push it to the limit. That's not what the line means. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, you have it available, but it's like, we really don't want you to use this because if you use it all, like they want you to use it, but they don't want you to use it all. Don't max out, baby. They kind of want you to use it all though because then they can <laughs> they get the money, you to, like right. you pay fees on that and et cetera, but that will drop your credit For point. your own sanity. But if you're, yeah. um, you know, if you're someone who you pay off your credit card on time every month, that's always good for you. And also the more credit you have, but the, the smaller, you know, the, the smaller percentage of it that you use, mm -hmm. the better it is for your credit overall. So that's why it's nice to have a very large credit limit Right. But it's also great to not uh, keep up with the Joneses on your credit limit. Exactly. So that's the that's the that's the secret. And I like to pay off my credit card bill every month when yeah. possible. If you can do that, I think that's great for your credit score. Also, when they see that you're, you know, charging whatever, but then you also are 
being able to pay it off every month. Yeah, you know, I think when I'm working with people, people ha- there are some people who have concerns. They're like, you know, Tanya, I can't afford to pay this off in- at once. And so, yeah. you know, pay the minimum. You have that minimum. They're like, at minimum, this is what you need to pay to remain in our good graces. Right. And for some people, that's all they can afford to do. But yeah. if you can afford to do more, mm-hmm. do more. Because the more you pay off, the more it benefits your credit score. The more you're keeping that utilization below the magic number, which is 30% of the yeah. utilization. And it just helps you out in the long run. It helps you pay less in interest, helps you avoid those fees. And it's just better all around because when you're borrowing money, then you don't really, you're, you have to pay someone back and it's not your money when you make money. It's right. their money until you pay them back and then it becomes your money once you're done paying them off. So don't ignore those bills. At least Mm-mm. pay the minimum. Mm-hmm. At mean, least. And if you don't, they'll definitely remind you about it. So. <laughs> and if you miss a payment or you miss two payments, that does really hurt your credit score. I know I did that before and it wasn't on purpose. Not like I didn't have it, but I just missed it and I definitely saw my credit score drop just from missing yeah. a payment. I feel like things are so instant now. Like you yeah. can miss one payment and you get an alert in your email like almost immediately letting you know but the thing to keep in mind is that you know 30 days you have about a 30 day grace period from mm-hmm. that missed payment but then after that 30th day then it goes to it you know that mark will go on into your credit history and you can't change your credit history like that's one thing you can't change once that's in there right. you know you have to call them and they have to amend it and they don't really want to do that and also you can pick the date that you want to pay your credit card that's yeah. the thing that i didn't realize i would get really stressed out. i was like but i get paid on this day but all my <laughs> bills are due on this other day and actually i was like oh you can just call people and say i want to pay my bills on this you can do that with your gas company you can do that with mm-hmm. your credit card it usually takes like one pay cycle to happen but you don't have to feel that you have to be disorganized about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And with any relationship, communication is key, right? So important. So some of us are experiencing financial hardships. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that you can do is talk to your lender. A lot of them are very understanding. If you let them know what's going on and you work out a plan, they can also tell you if there's programs that are available that they can help you out with. So communication is key. Yeah. And most people, you know, we think about when we open up new accounts or when we move into a new place and so forth. Usually it's around the first of the month if you're moving into a new apartment or so forth. And so your bill is going to be due the day you open that account. And so unless you change it, you're going to be paying your rent, your mortgage or whatever else and the bills that you opened up around that time frame. So it is important to call ahead of time, not on the due date. So (laughs) call ahead of time. (laughs) They'll be like, you know what? We need to pay this today and then we'll change it around for you. But yeah, you can go ahead. You can make changes. I know for me, I like to make, I like to pay all my other bills in the middle of the month. Mm -hmm. And then I pay, you know, the major bills at the beginning of the month. Right. Just spread it around. You know, and thinking also about like staying on top of all of that stuff, one of the things that's really important, I think, if you have a credit card, is to have some sort of credit monitoring service. Oh my gosh. Um, You know, like I was telling, I was telling y'all earlier about how I, you know, something just popped up on my credit card bill that was like, this is, I I did not spend this money. And if I wasn't paying attention to it, then it would have never, um, it would have been an issue. And so I think that like, you know, the more technology is a part of your life, the more you should be really, um, you should actually really pay attention to that because even the big banks and big companies all have data breaches. So you don't have to lose your wallet for your information to be compromised. It's compromised because you've shared it with someone. And so part of being responsible financially is Mm -hmm. also really being responsible for your cyber health. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and a lot of credit cards and a lot of, um, a lot of services will offer you credit monitoring for free. So you don't have Mm -hmm. to feel that that's something that, it costs on top of what you're doing. It's pretty cheap to get. And I think that it's a good way to implement a system for yourself where you are watching your financial health at all times. Can I ask y'all a question of something that I, I have credit cards and I'm happy with how I use my credit cards, but I have to say I'm a little bit ashamed 
that I don't <laughs> quite understand interest rates. So like for me, I'm always, you know, mm-hmm. when I when I get a credit card, I never think like, oh, the interest for this is 30% versus 20%. I just know that because because of the way that I live, I just pay it off that's immediately. That's really high interest. Um, yeah. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. like, I never understand that. So it's not a point of consideration that I have. And I'm just wondering, like, do you... Um, can you explain that to me? Like, what is a what should I be thinking about when I'm opening a new credit card with yeah. the APR situation? So interest is essentially the money they're charging you to use the card. It's like nothing in life is free, and that's how they're making their money. So whenever they lend you money, they're charging them charging you a percentage on top of that that you are responsible for paying, and and also with the money that they lent you, unless you pay it off, on, and, unless like you that. pay it off, or unless it's a zero percent interest rate card, which those do exist. And so when you're looking for a card, the first thing you want to look for is a card that comes at zero percent interest a lot of times it's a promotional it starts uh, off yeah it's like a 12 to 18 <laughs> month like period 495 dollars to keep this card yeah well then that's the annual fee and then they'll tack on you know their interest rate which is like you know 27 percent sometimes or 18 percent credit card interest rate is just higher our credit card interest rates are higher because the balances tend to be smaller so but i have seen some auto loans with credit card interest rates which like in, but most of the time auto loans are around zero to three, zero to eight percent interest rate. Um, and but that's just because it's a larger amount that you're borrowing. Yeah. So they're going to make more money over the time of that loan. So the thing about it is interest is the money that you pay to borrow debt. And it's when you have better credit, you get a lower interest yep, rate. Usually. The better your, which doesn't seem like it makes sense, right? Like the better your credit is. But I guess it's an incentive mm-hmm. for people who have good credit. That's to also utilize because they services. trust you. Yeah, they feel they more confident you. that you'll be able to pay this yeah. back and pay it on time. Exactly. So it's a reward for you having done the right. <laughs> yeah, but interest is, you know, as long okay. as you pay your bill off um, every month, then you can avoid that interest. But uh, I think that a lot of people have anxiety when it comes to debt. And I was really interested to find out from you guys, what are some of the things that you learned about debt or heard about debt growing up? I thought that all debt was bad. And I think that it's um, it's a very uh, immigrant kind of way to be. You know, that's like you don't borrow money from people. You just, you don't need debt. But that's not how America works. In yeah, fact, no, it's not. <laughs> in fact, I didn't get my first credit card until I was almost 30. And I have to say that that really hurt me in the long run, right? Because I had to establish yeah, my credit. credit. Mm-hmm. I had I had to, I, and I, I'm somebody who travels a lot, for example, and I didn't realize that I was always like having to pay that, you know, like I didn't have a card to like hold my room. Right. And so I would always have to like to rent a car. The yeah. entire, like to that rent deposit. a car, to do whatever. And, I, and you know, it's like if they do that on a debit card, for example, you don't see that money for like weeks, right? Because mm-hmm. they have debited the whole thing from your account. Which dings a and lot so, of people. Right. right. And, and sometimes it's, it's a hold too when you get a room and you have a debit card and they hold that money and then now you don't have access to your own while money. You're on vacation. So it's just, you know, I and, and I think that psychologically is really hard for me is I have a hard time like carrying debt. It's why I pay my credit card off every month, but it's also because I haven't had to use my credit card to do any kind of investment, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm using it to pay for the things that I need and get the perks that I want for the cards that I have. Yes. So the money is always perks. the money is always allocated. Yeah. Even if I do a big purchase, I usually will transfer it immediately. I pay yeah. my credit card off multiple times in the month because I just don't like carrying the balance. But I think that in the long like that was it was a it was not a good way of thinking because it costs you a lot not to participate in the credit card economy yeah, and in debt, you know? And so and so I'm somebody who, you know, I'm like, now I'm like, I'm reasonably financially healthy, but I've had to play a lot of catch up. Mm. And if I had known that earlier in my 20s, I would have made different decisions. Right. And so it's I just think that it's um, 
you have to really weigh your own like bias against actually the reality of what the financial market is. Yeah. Well, I grew up getting credit cards as soon as I was in college <laughs> as a freshman. <laughs> I signed up for two credit cards because, you know, they are on campus. Like Giving you a yes, pizza and a t-shirt. Here's a t-shirt, right. Here's yes. a water bottle. Yeah, but I did not fall for that. Well, I fell for it. And I think my whole life growing up, my mom, she uses credit cards all the time. Like, her credit card bills are crazy. And she's the type of person who will pay the minimum forever and still keep charging things up and not open the bill when it comes. And uh-huh. so there would be a bunch of unopened bills in the drawer in the kitchen because she just knew I'm not opening this. So I think I fell into that habit when I was in college of uh, running up my credit cards to the limit. I think the limit was $600. Yeah, I didn't have it. We started out with those micro limits, yeah. I didn't have it because, you know, it was college and I had two credit cards. I remember I went to the mall when I got one of them and I bought like a brand new coat and I just maxed it out like right the away. First day. Yeah, <laughs> immediately, okay. Wow. And so that's been my relationship with credit cards. So it's taken me a while. Like I've always been in debt, graduated from college in debt. I remember my grandfather gave me like a check and I had to use all of it to pay off but my credit card debt but it was a good feeling to be able to do that even though I didn't have any fun money to play with after that at least I paid off those credit cards but then my credit was ruined Mm -hmm. for a period of time so it took a while for me to reestablish my credit and I remember when I went to get my car and I didn't need anybody to co-sign it for me that was so exciting that I had finally gotten myself into a space where I don't need to ask somebody to co-sign for a car for me I can do it on my own yeah this feels like it's freeing and, and I think that's one of the things about you know having bad credit or having that is it can complicate your life if you're not in a good place with it that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from i mean that's why i started my fab finance was because I made so many bad mistakes. I was like you, Angela, but I don't even think I got a free shirt when I got my first credit uh, card. Like I was like, just here, ruin my credit for free. Uh, like man. just don't get, you didn't me get a shirt. I didn't get a shirt. I didn't get pizza. I didn't get a uh, like a frisbee. Nothing. Um, <laughs> but I was going to Miami right before I got my credit card in the mail. So I, I bought things when I was in Miami. You can't tell eighteen year old Tanya nothing who's on South Beach right. buying things with her credit card. Absolutely not. Full adult with no job to pay this credit card off. But I I learned from that, and my parents always spoke about credit, but they didn't talk about how credit worked other than paying your bills on time. Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't understand keeping my utilization low, that I needed to keep my limits low or my balance low so that I could maintain good credit. But I remember um, I learned a valuable lesson about credit when I went to go finance my first car and my father thought that he was going to have to co-sign with me mm-hmm. because by this time I had paid off those credit cards and everything and he thought he was going to have to co-sign. They were like, actually, your interest rate is better if your father's not on the loan. Whoa. Wow. I'm doing better than you, yeah, Dad. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that was a wake-up call for my father, though, because now my dad pays everything off. Like, his, his car is paid off. His motorcycles are paid off. He's about to buy a boat. He's like, nope. So now he pays everything off. That's and I think good. it was a thing where, you like, my him. Dad <laughs> she was better off without me. It's not supposed to work like that. But you know, also the thing I'm like, I love that we talk about this stuff so much because the problem with all of these things is that people feel so much shame, right? Yeah. Like you just, it's so personal. It's so shameful. And then you get caught up in these situations where you're like, oh, I got to rent an apartment with my partner or I need a car and my dad is there. And then, so the, your financial situation always comes up in a stressful moment. Yeah. Whereas like if actually you have a way to talk about it and you're not ashamed and you're not embarrassed because everybody will have money problems. If you have $600 or you have $6 million, like money problems can come knocking at your door and you just need good financial hygiene. And part of that is not, um, is really releasing the shame of talking about it. And I really hope that that's what we're doing by having all these conversations. 
We're talking a lot about getting into debt in this week's episode, and we do hope that sharing our perspective helps. But this podcast isn't the only resource. There's nearly 19,000 State Farm agents across the U.S. who are waiting to help protect what's important to you and guide you through major life milestones. For this week's Ask an Agent segment, we reached out to Zanetta Harris-Glover, who has an office in Newark, New Jersey, and got some practical advice before dealing with debt. Hey, ladies, I hear all the time from clients who are stressed out about debt. Here are some of my favorite strategies for tackling debt. Make sure you pay more than the minimum payments each month and on time. These are some of the most important factors that affect your credit, impacting 35% of your credit score. Pull your credit report to check for accuracy. Think of your credit score as your final GPA in school. Then your credit report is the transcript of all your classes. Make sure Everything on the report is correct. Removing incorrect information could cause a quick bump up in your score. Look at your credit report to pinpoint where your setbacks happen in the first place. High credit card balances, missed payments, too many open accounts. Turn this knowledge of what happened in your past to improve your financial actions in the future. Also check out annualcreditreport.com to get a free copy of your report. Keep in mind, there are a number of online resources that will provide you with your score for free. For more tips on managing, consolidating, and controlling your debt, talk to your local State Farm agent or visit us at statefarm.com. For the second half of today's episode, we're joined by Desarte Yarnway, the founder of the Burknell Financial Group. Hello, Desarte. Hey. Hi. <laughs> He's the author of Pay Me in Equity, a millennial guide to understanding equity compensation and young money for proven actions to design your wealth while you still can. He's also the host of the Young Money Podcast. Welcome to the show, Desarte. Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're so excited um, to have you I'm here. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I really want to talk with you about, you know, the big picture versus the little picture a little bit, because I think that some people get really equities word that not everybody understands. Um, and so I'm just wondering if you can talk about, you know, what are some of the strategies for focusing on the big picture? Something like saving for a home, not getting side sidetracked by, I would, you know, we're saying it's smaller stuff, but it's still the day-to-day um, that people have to worry about. Right. Well, you know that we have a world full of distractions, right? So it's easy to get off track. Um, I think that what we do is we try to focus on big wins and small wins, right? So there's going to be a big win, which is the home that you want to buy. But there's milestones, kind of like checkpoints that you should make along the way that are small victories. That's when you can celebrate and say, hey, I saved $10,000 or $5,000. That's a small win. Or I paid down that credit card. That's a small win. And these will help you realize the big win at the end of the day. So when you celebrate, like I saved $10,000, is it okay to spend $1,000? Um, you have to reward yourself. I'm kidding. Right? <laughs> you have to reward yourself. I think that's healthy, right? But it's important to have those spaces in place where you can say, I did this, right? I have this momentum and I can keep it going. I know. And I also feel like just like when you have a diet or you're on a fitness regimen, is it important to allow yourself to have a little bit of cheating every now and then? Absolutely. I think that you have to build that in, though. Right. So yeah. you have a budget. You can't be too stringent or too tight. Like use a diet for an example. Right. You're counting calories and you're doing all of this and you want that donut. Like it's OK oh, I had to, to build. Right. It's OK, though, to build that in to say, like, today is my designated cheat there. I'm going to buy something for myself at the end of this quarter. Right. I think if you don't do that, you're destined for failure. Are you going to chew this donut and spit it out? <laughs> oh, right. no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> going on the journey. OK. Right. I mean, but yeah. And I think that also, you know, the start your 
book, Pay Me in Equity, talks yeah. about, you know, debt. So even like big debt versus small debt. How do you feel about that? I feel, see, this is the thing about our community, right? We think that debt-free means that you're wealthy. And oh. Right? Debt-free does again. not mean wealthy. Sometimes you have to accumulate debt to realize what I call, what we call multi-generational wealth. There's no way that many people are paying for houses in cash. No way. Yeah. Right? You're not doing that. Sometimes you might have to accumulate business debt. Right to start that business, which can pay you 10x versus what your employer can pay you. Tanya, you're a good example of that, right? So it's like, you don't tell my business to start that. You know, like you built a business, right? And you've done it really well. So I think that that's something that you have to do. Debt free does not mean wealthy, and in some circumstances, you have to accumulate some debt. That's such a good thing. Yeah, you know, also like what we were talking about a little earlier. You just made me think a lot about the psychology behind spending and just how so much of the spending that we do is done subconsciously. Mm -hmm. I think about you know how some of these like retailers online just follow you, and next thing you know, you're getting served an ad. It's so easy to click. And so much of retail is just preying on your impulses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that thinking about it as something that you have to be really mindful of. Do I actually need to buy this? If I go, you know, if I just take a break and I go, you know, for sometimes I do this. I'm like, I just go for a walk. And I was like, if I come back after the walk, do I still need to pay for the thing? And just, um, you know, diffusing that tension. And when there's a sale sometimes, too, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's on sale now. So I have to get it because it won't be on sale anymore. That's a spending trigger, though, Mm -hmm. that that time limitation, making you think that if you don't do it now, you won't ever get this opportunity. That is a spending trigger. Yeah, it just feels like a lot of pressure. Do you do some like how do you feel about like mindful, uh, you know, and emotional shopping? Yeah, and I think that's where you have that wiggle room and whatever your budget is for. Right. We think about you shopping, for an example, jeans costs a hundred dollars. Right. It's 30 percent off. It's 70 dollars. We think we just save 30 dollars. I got a bargain. You got a bargain. You got it for the low, right? When essentially it's still $70 saved. So I feel like there's no kind of cheat for that. You have to make sure that you're building that in and saying, this is what I'm going to spend on myself. And I think that's the only real way. And sometimes I ask myself, if they're giving me these for $70, how much should they pay for them? You know, like they probably paid $10 for these and I'm paying the markup. But in the same sense, you know, it, it... it is what it is. Right. I'm curious to you guys, uh, what's the last impulse buy? Oh, I just bought a couch a few you, minutes yeah, ago. You literally just bought a <laughs> couch today. Yeah. You did just buy a couch today. But is that an impulse buy? Don't you need it? She had a couch. So, okay, never <laughs> mind. Never mind. All right, never in mind. fairness, yes, you're right. But, okay. So, my old couch I've had for a long time. Since my old apartment, you know, I bought a house, took the couch with me. So, I probably had this couch like seven or eight years. You got your use of that couch. Okay, yeah. okay. And I've been wanting to get a new couch and I keep on putting it off like, oh, I'm not going to get it now. And there was a sale right now. So, I did get it on sale, but it was the couch I wanted right. on sale. And we were just sitting here waiting for you. So, I just bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you but, triggered that spending. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but That's I think, funny. you know, it's something that I felt like I needed. And it's for my house. And I spend a lot of time in my home. And I feel like I've, you know, had eight years with the former couch. Time to move on. That's yeah. Fair. What about That's you? fair. I bought a dress that I don't need right now. You said you weren't shopping anymore. I know. That's why I'm telling you it's an impulse buy. It was bad. I'm technically on a clothes shopping fast. And I saw this dress and I was like, you know what? I have the perfect party to wear that to in many months. And so... I, you know, I'm not judging myself, but also I had set a goal that I was not going to spend money on clothes. And the way that I rationalize it to myself, I was like, this is how I know I have a problem. I made 
all, you know, it was circuitous and it was so fast. I was like, here's my credit card number and I just bought it immediately. So, uh, you know, look out for those Instagrams in uh, October. Can't wait. <laughs> what about you, Tanya? The last impulse. Don't leave us out here hanging. Yeah, I'm going to come clean. <laughs> um, the last impulse by... Um, I mean, I feel like I make them regularly, but the one that stands out was I'm really into fanny packs right now. I love the fanny pack. Okay. Yeah, because as a mom, plural, like I just need everything plural? right here on the hip. I love it. I love it. And um, you have the baby, and that's a good rationalization, yeah. so you don't have to carry. Oh, it's part of my mom wardrobe now. Mm-hmm. It's like my lifestyle. So, um, I, you know, I had I have fa- I had a fanny pack from a um, discount retailer that I was going hard with, and I was like, you know what, Tanya, you use this every single day. Mm-hmm. You can get yourself a nicer fanny pack. So I bought. <laughs> a designer fanny pack wow. when I was um, at a store it was on clearance and okay. that was kind of impulsive because it's on clearance mm-hmm. that was yeah that what was about nice. you Desires they don't just um, act like it's us so I've been traveling a lot lately and I love food so we were in Manhattan uh, earlier yesterday, and it was like this one meal that was like, they don't tell you the price because it has all the oh, shrimp. You got to ask. You know what I mean? Market we, like, we came to get this, but we ended up getting that meal, right? And that those are my impulse spins. I have a question for you to start because yeah. I know that you um, you typically work with, you know, high net worth individuals and so forth. Um, do you feel that debt is something that is a problem across all income brackets, or do you find that, you know, it— affects one income bracket more than the others. No, I don't don't think that keeping up with the Joneses is reserved for just the people that don't have it. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a problem that everybody has, right? The the more money that you have, the more things you have access to, right? And when you talk about, like, mental fitness, we are compensating for things that we might not have got when you get the money, right? So then you're dealing with those things. Like, I never got this when I was a child, so I want to get all of this now, right? My thing is hotel rooms. I realize that that is my thing. So growing up, my parents would... My parents are extremely frugal Mm -hmm. in certain regards, like certain things, because they... Yeah. Um, So, but growing up, we would stay in, like, these little mom-and-pop inns and so forth when we would go on family vacations. And so my thing is, like, staying in nice accommodations. Right. uh, I have to also. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, that's like my one thing and I'm just realizing part of it comes from as a child we did not stay in accommodations like that but you're good because you know your triggers right a lot of people don't know why they do what they do and especially as it pertains to money so I think it's important for you to identify those so you can always stay ahead of those or build up in your plan it's hard sometimes when you're hanging out with certain people like I'm going on a vacation mm-hmm. and tell them so- where you're going <laughs> just tell them where not with who but you can tell them where I'm going to San Tropez for the first time ever so that's already a costly trip but when you land right in nice you can either take a car or i think a train or something or a helicopter my friends want to take the helicopter from um nice to saint it's an experience but it's so expensive yeah i guess it's it's like seven hundred dollars round trip or something for a 25 minute helicopter ride and i'm like um that's a lot of money. That's a, you know that's interesting because um, uh, one of my uh, one of my good friends who has recently passed. That's one of the things we were talking about um, when it came to his finances was like he is rich by association, mm-hmm. and so in his own income, like he he doesn't he wasn't doing bad, but he wasn't doing as well as the people he was around. But he was expected to play at their level, yeah. and that was causing a lot of financial issues for him because right. like, I can't afford to do these things that come easy to them, but I play in their league, and so I kind of if I want to remain in their league and remain around them, I have to come to the table. But you also know if somebody is your friend by how you talk to them about money, right? Like something like you know, I think we all remember times where we could 
didn't buy the things that we wanted, and now you know that you have access. But I think that if you are not able to have real conversations with even your friends about that stuff and say, I'm saving for something else, I can't afford it, or I don't make as much money as you, it tells you more about that relationship. But I also think that, you know, like you were talking about triggers, I think that it's good to also... You need to have a criteria for yourself or what you're not willing to scrimp on. And for me, travel is that. You know, it doesn't need to be a five-star hotel all the time, but I know that I need to feel safe and I need to feel happy. And I find other ways to compensate for it. I was like, that's why all my credit cards are credit cards that will give you points towards travel. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, I will save other ways to make sure that that happens. But I think it's good to know ahead of time instead of in a panic moment. Uh We're going to be doing something new in season five. Okay. Um, We know that thinking about all these topics like finance, it can be so stressful for a lot of people including me especially me probably um but it doesn't have to be so we're going to have a money meditation on every episode and for today's money meditation we want to take a moment to envision being debt free just think about it okay um picture a not so distant future where the collection notices the phone calls the nagging reminders they're no longer part of your life your budgeting saving and discipline has really paid off that for myself but for the rest of you what's your dream way to celebrate becoming debt free for the debt that you need to be free of because as we said not all debt is bad debt right is a mortgage bad debt no no it's great debt Mm -hmm. I have a couple (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my debt free celebration would be a trip I feel like most of my celebrations are a trip Mm -hmm. I think that's how I reward myself is by going on some type of trip, going somewhere I've always wanted to go and experience because I'm more of an experiences over things person. Mm-hmm. And when I created debt for my fab finance, I had to forsake a lot of experiences because I had to pay off things. Right. Um, so it's just a reminder to myself, like what really matters to you and it's experiences. I love that. Uh, for me, I would say I really, really want to buy a vacation home. So when I get to the... I want, what? I want Angie's. You know, I, I, tra- I trade mine in for vacation home. <laughs> I really do, but I wanted to make me money also. And so I've been talking to a couple of my friends about trying to partner up and find something so that we have a place we can go to whenever we want. But also we can rent it out to make some money and put it on one of those sites so that people can go and stay there and... We cash in, and right. at the same I time, we want to put in on that. Actually. Okay, well, yeah. let's talk about yeah. it. Send the line. Yeah, let's do it. Send the line. Mm-hmm. I love it. We're talking about shedding debt. You guys are just mm-hmm. bringing on more. At the good kind, the good kind. You know, I didn't have any debt except for medical debt because um, because I got cancer and I had to put a lot of expenses on a credit card. And I was really lucky that I could afford to do it. But I remember the day that I finally paid everything off. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, the MRI is gone. The everything is gone. And I'm healthy now. And I, I decided to start a savings account for, um, for experiences that I want to have. Mm-hmm. I was like, this money that I used to pay into this is still money that I can move around for other things. And so once a year, I want to go on a trip, a solo trip that is a trip I've been dreaming of. And so for me, that's just been really, really helpful. Right. Awesome. Um, I don't have any debt, um, but I think the celebration for me is going to be buying a duplex or a triplex in the Bay Area uh, sometime next year. So that's what we're planning for. But I also think that it's important to pay it forward. Yeah. So I'm going to open accounts for my nieces and nephews oh, yes. nice. so they can have the opportunity to do something like that that's when they cool. mature. Right. Yeah, so I think that's, that's cool. going to be another uh, form of my celebration. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. Well, of course, we want to hear what you came up with. So let us know your response to this week's brand new money meditation by posting on social media. You know what that hashtag is. It's live colorful. That's live colorful with two L's at the end of full. So live colorful. All right. That double L at the end. (laughs) And guys, that's it for the week. So make sure you check back next week. We'll be getting into the things you should know before getting married. Yeah. Talk about it. Uh. Talk about it. It's a change. (laughs) Special th- <laughs> special thanks to our guest, Desarte Yarnway, for joining us. Yay. Thank, Thank you, Desarte. Now, please let our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, they can find us at www.burknell.com, and they can follow me on all social media at Desarte Yarnway. Spell Burknell. Just, you know. B-E-R-K-N-E-L-L, and my name, D-A-S-A-R-T-E, Yarnway, as it sounds. Guys, check them out. Get that book. Thank you guys for joining us. Colorful Lives presented by State Farm is a loudspeaker studio production in association with the marketing arm. Our producer is Matt Raz. Our executive producers are Chris Morrow and Matt Raz. Colorful Lives was recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Our audio engineers are Emily Duff and Rich Serbini. Our show is mixed, mastered, and edited by Dwayne Crawford. Our video switcher is Jack Dixon. Camera operators are Benson Vincent and Christopher Sonny Martinez. Our production assistants are Otto Oli and Timar France. Don't forget, if you're only listening to the podcast, there's even more to see on State Farm's YouTube channel. Log on to experience Colorful Lives in a whole new way.